Hello again, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners. This is the Gen X Grown Up Podcast episode number 11. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And filling in once again for George is MC Murr. Hey, Murr. Greetings and salutations. We are finally past the holidays. This will be the first show of the new year. So exciting stuff moving into 2018. Oh, geez. <laughs> you don't sound that excited. <laughs> 17 was a long year. Uh, it was, yeah. It, it simultaneously went by too fast and yet drugged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we get into the show proper and the topics that we have a plenty, a couple of items of business to cover. First, one of the things we always ask at the end of the show is if you have time, go by the iTunes store, give us a review. And I want to thank some guys who have done just that. I would like to thank Connor666, Biz Travel Dad, Happy Elm, and Trauma Master. Trauma Master. <laughs> I love these names. They have given us reviews on the iTunes store, and more than just that, they were very friendly reviews. It's the kind of stuff that refills my tank, just energizes me to keep cranking out and wanting to keep doing and creating content. I just want to thank everyone for taking the time. I know it just takes a minute, but not everybody does it, and we sure appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And perhaps the most fun part of the beginning of the show is always when we get a chance to read some listener mail from our fourth listener. <laughs> listener email this week comes from Hambone, and Hambone said... I almost always listened to music while I played my Atari or in television, mainly because the same sound over and over became monotonous. I know Futurama kind of touched on this in one episode. Did you listen to music while playing video games, then or now? And if so, what music did you listen to? Let's start with you, Mur. Well, generally, I would just play the game, because no matter how monotonous the game music was or seemed, it was something that I very much enjoyed. And before I became a musician, video game music was it for me. The only songs I liked and knew were songs that came from video games. But as I got a little bit older, I will say I remember playing in the 16-bit era, listening to 80s Metallica, you know, Master of Puppets and <laughs> Injustice for All album, especially, you know, games that were still playing platforming and would move very quickly and i do recall playing a good bit of super mario brothers 3 on full turbo running on every level listening to the bleach album by nirvana over and over again for some reason those <laughs> two go. went really well together <laughs> mo how about you i mean generally it wasn't any set music i just had the radio on you know i'd have it on whatever local probably classic rock station and we just listen to that as I was playing okay yeah I uh, I kind of fall into the same camp as Murr as much as I tend to be a multitasker in my real life in my gaming life I kind of just zoom in and I didn't find video game music monotonous even now I go back and you know you play Superman for the 2600 and uses x-ray vision I mean it is kind of like like a crazy infuriating noise but it was my music to me you know I love the sound of it so I probably listened to a lot of Alan Parsons project but it wasn't to replace the Video game music, it was really just kind of a soundtrack to go right along with what I was already doing that I loved. Thanks for your question then, Hambone. We always encourage our fourth listeners to write in to us at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We love to hear from you and we enjoy answering your questions here on the show. We ain't afraid of no ghosts! Ghost Sapper Ghost Projector Guns, each sold separately. Ghostbusters, new from Kenner. Guys, I know we all have a lot of stuff to talk about as far as like different TV and movies, but I really mm -hmm. want to start with The Disaster Artist. Have any of you guys oh seen boy. it yet? I have not. Yep. That's based on, uh, that's Tommy Wiseau's The Room, docu yeah. old pseudo-documentary, right? It's a pseudo-documentary, and uh, it, it was a weird movie, because if I did not know it was based on a true story, I probably would have hated the movie. <laughs> 
But because I knew it was based on a true story, I loved the movie. It's so ridiculous that I'd be like, there's no way this is real. Right. How is this actually a thing? Yeah. How is this thing? Like, how is it that some weird guy with a bizarre accent from unknown country with apparently unlimited resources can go to Hollywood and make a movie and it just be so awful? (laughs) this guy who knew nothing about movie making but thought he knew everything about everything wouldn't listen to anybody i mean just the one scene where he's sitting there like trying to find a studio spot and rent equipment cameras and stuff and guy's like well you know yeah we'll rent you the equipment for the break he's like no i don't rent i buy equipment i buy (laughs) i'll buy it and they're like nobody buys equipment right it's prohibitively expensive yeah but he does he buys all the equipment because apparently this guy has like a huge amount of money and no one knows where from i mean the acting was great to me like what tied it all together is at the end when they showed like side-by-side clips of this movie versus the original where they kind of did how they replicated it yeah oh man shot for shot it was just dead on which just led credibility more to the whole movie and how ridiculous the whole thing was so i'd never seen the room i knew about it a little bit uh, I had seen uh, Honest Trailers did a, a rip on it, which was hilarious. But I knew a little bit about it. It's become like this huge cult thing. Like, they Like Rocky Horror Picture Show type midnight viewing audience participation because it's just so bad. Yeah. I started watching the riff track of it uh, the other day. You know, the guys that kind of the MST3K guys that do making fun of movies. Uh-huh. And it's it's extra hilarious. It was really... <laughs> I have to tell you, it's like uh, I did a little reading up on it afterwards. And like you t- told me before, John, it's like... The serious actors, directors, and movie people love this movie. Yeah, yeah. They find a deeper meaning, I guess, behind it, or it's even funnier to them. I think if you're in the industry, it's got to be like this beautiful train wreck. of Everything that ever could go wrong, all going wrong. Uh, and you get to see it happen on the screen. But it's not you. You don't have to live it, right? So, Murph, you haven't seen it. I super recommend it. Yeah, I have not seen it. Sounds intriguing, though. Hey, John, I know you saw a movie I haven't seen. I really wanted to see the, is it Guillermo del Toro movie? Yeah, yeah. So I talked about that a couple episodes ago in my Looking Forward to. This was The Shape of Water. Yeah, I, I want to see it. Yeah, and at the time I said, hey, I'd seen the trailer. I know nothing else about it, but I really want to see it based on this look, the fact that it's Guillermo del Toro, right. just the look of his films. And uh, I got to see it. Now, has anyone else here seen it yet? I have not seen it. Nope. All right, no spoilers. You absolutely must see this. It is a gorgeous, uh, just everything about it. At its core, it's just this little personal story about this mute woman who's just a janitor at this super top secret government facility and this aquamarine monster that they have caught and she befriends the monster. It's it's like a modern fairy tale. It's a gorgeous <laughs> film. It has kind of allegory. There's story. And when you're done, you look back and like, oh, there's almost like a kind of not quite Shyamalan, what a twist kind of thing at the end, but there's a bit of a twist at the end. But it's not like a Beauty Beast kind of thing, is it? Or No, not really. It's everything you want. It's a monster movie. It's a heist movie. It's a love story. It's a comedy. It's a drama. And it's Guillermo del Toro. I mean, it, I, mean I don't know what else you want out of a film. Uh, it was just, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. You should see this film. I, th- hmm. I think it kind of, I don't know what the release of it was and how broad it was. I haven't heard a lot of talk about it. It got good reviews. But I haven't heard anyone else talking about it. It's absolutely worth your time. I know all his movies, I mean, visually are usually pretty amazing. You know, he did Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, he did a whole bunch of just... Hellboy. Hellboy. And the amazing art style, that's almost just a cherry on top of everything else that this movie has. I actually, I can't wait to see it again 
and really? go back that and kind good. of Holy yeah. Cow. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. Huh. Now, MC Murray, you had something that you had checked out that you wanted to talk about. Why don't you fill us in on the toys that made us? Yeah, stumbled upon this by accident. Actually, my wife did and said, "Uh oh, we got, we got to watch this." And boy, was she right. Uh, the Toys That Made Us, this is a Netflix documentary, but it takes a look back at some of the major toys that kind of shaped the whole industry, and the first thing that caught our attention was there was a Masters of the Universe episode, so we went straight to oh that. Boy. Um, <laughs> straight to that. Because <laughs> everybody in the rest, house right? here, yeah, we're, we're big He-Man fans here. You have the power. I have the power. But you get on there, and, and you think you know a lot about He-Man because you're an enthusiast of it, and I gotta say... This uh, this special taught me a thing or two. You find that it includes lots of interesting facts even an enthusiast might not be aware of because it's coming from the perspective of the people that came up with this thing, you know, and how they were trying to compete with the Star Wars figures at the time. And they pretty much just pulled He-Man out of their butts. I mean, the whole thing was just bs from start to finish. And they made these amazing decisions and crucial moves at just the perfect times that just happened to, by chance, catapult this thing to <laughs> flagships status with Mattel, you know, actually outselling Barbie, doing things that they never dreamed possible when they were really just trying to skate by on something. So, so did they like not think it was going to be popular then? They were very afraid that they were going to lose their jobs because they oh, weren't wow. going to be able oh, to boy. deliver on something that was going to squash Star Wars. Oh my god, that's crazy. And I don't want to spoil it all, but just basically they're looking at the Star Wars figures and saying, God, these things are really puny looking, which was always my issue with them as a kid, I remember. And they said, man, what if we make this big dude, you know, that's just got muscles everywhere and <laughs> he just swole he got a 12 pack <laughs> he did i mean dude took a he, he took one of their old action figures from an old toy line and started you know mounding play-doh on this thing till it looked muscular and gave it an axe and said all right i call him he man he's gotta ride a tiger oh, no, yeah, I, i'm not gonna spoil it. the part about the tiger part i was laughing my butt off i'm not gonna spoil the tiger part for you you're just gonna have to get to that part in hindsight calling him he man sounds like a placeholder we'll call him he man do we think of a good name it was, but it totally <laughs> stuck. You know, it totally, everything about it was flung up against the wall just to see if it would stick, and then the it totally stuck. Woman Haters Club. So again, oh, I don't want to divulge all the great moments of this thing, because, you know, I, I could sit here and tell you all about it. But so is this a series, or is it a it single is. episode? There's four episodes right now, and there should be okay, more so seasons next year from um, oh, uh, this wow. slated for 2018, but so far... Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, you've got a Star Wars one, there's a He-Man one, there's a Barbie one, and I believe G.I. Joe was in there. I got to get back in there, and I'm definitely going to watch all four because I just wow. I'm a vintage toy collector. That's and I love going that on stuff. my watch list right now. You're grounded, Tex. I'll get you for this. Skullwalker and Thirty Thirty from the world of Brave Star. Other action figures sold separately. New from Brave Star. Now you know that we all do enjoy a good toy or a new little piece of technology, little tidbits mm -hmm. and snippets that we find in the wild. And <laughs> you know it, uh, John. Oh, yeah. I believe you have something for us that you found. Can you tell us about that? I found oh, a mountain of things. <laughs> I could talk forever about this. <laughs> I can attest to this. It's literally a mountain. I will attest yeah. to that fact. MC Mer, you're no stranger to visiting uh, flea markets and yard sales looking for swag and goodies, Correct. right? Yeah. A few weeks ago, I had gone to the flea market and i found this guy that had two giant 20 gallon tubs of atari stuff he wanted too much for it i left and didn't buy it so i let him simmer i went back the day before christmas and i said hey remember me 
how much of that have you sold? And I gave him a lowball offer. We haggled a little bit. And I walked out the door with a trunk full <laughs> of Atari stuff. And I'm talking vintage Atari stuff. 2600 yep. 7,800. I'll put a link down in the show notes. It has a couple of pictures to all this <laughs> junk spread out on my table. I was just in heaven. I, let me tell you, opening it up and sorting it, I got my money's worth already. Oh, yeah. There's nothing but this. <laughs> Give us the count. Like, how much stuff did you actually wind up with? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to say the spitball. Here's some of the stuff that was in there. So, Atari 2600 cartridges. From everybody. Atari proper, Sears Telegames, uh, Imagic. Activision. Uh, Coleco, Activision. Yeah, so probably, I'm going to say probably 300 cartridges. Just raw, <laughs> loose cartridges. <laughs> about 20 in the box in various states of quality, but in the box. Some even with manuals. Probably about 20 or 25 Atari 7800 cartridges. There was actually an Odyssey 2 cartridge thrown in there. And let me talk about hardware. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my. Two four-button 2600s. Two 2600 Juniors, a 7800, about three different flashback models, including the uh, Jack's Pacific Paddle flashback kind of mm-hmm. deal. Oh, God. I want I think I counted about nine original CX-40 Atari joysticks. There's a lot of money right there just on those joysticks. Yeah, and I think six or eight 7800 joysticks. So much stuff in this. <laughs> I really want to get a look at some of them. I didn't realize that you had uh, upwards of hundreds of the cartridges. Again, even the pictures tend to not do a haul like that. Complete justice. <sighs> You've probably got some things I would be a buyer on in there for holes I'm trying to fill in my collection, but that's just a mother load. That's just absolutely spectacular. Funniest part of the story to me, not talking to John about it, but talking to John's wife about it because <laughs> because she's like no you don't understand like because you took out some duplicates i thought and you're gonna bring them to video game rescue or something like that yeah and he came back with more stuff <laughs> i did oh, yeah i did yeah. I, well I, so, I had some credit so i <laughs> so she's like he went to get rid of stuff and he came back with more <laughs> so that's kind of the point i'm getting to is i never used to really collect vintage games like Murr you do you collect vintage games of all forms of fashions and, and I feel like maybe I might have gotten infected by the collecting bug just going through this stuff well that's all it takes is when you, and you get that first great haul and it's you know it, it's just not the last because every time you go out and you find something like that you're like oh my god what a home run swing you know I bet that'll never happen again and then a couple of weeks later it does or it, or it outdoes what you did and you're like oh my god every time you just think that oh man it can't possibly get better than this and you know Obviously, some weeks won't be, but some mm-hmm. weeks will be. And it's just, it's, it blows you away that things like that are still out there, especially yeah. in that quantity. You know, God, who has all that? And, you know, it's, it's tougher on the Atari stuff because it has so much longer it has to survive. I find more water damaged and basement oh, ruined yeah. Atari stuff than I do any other brand because it's, mm. you know, a lot of it's had another not quite a decade or so, but mm-hmm. you know, a few more years to fester, if you will, versus, yeah. you know, stuff all the that things came that could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, just think how many 2,600 cartridges were made. Just the number must be just mind boggling. If you thought of every single game that was ever made for it, just yep. the volume in that hall, were probably about 15 combats. Cause everybody had combat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that came with the game. That's right. It came with the console. Oh, but it's, I think it's infected me. You know, I can see myself out there kind of being the completionist that I am going, well, I don't have that one or I do have that one but not this variant or i have this one and this variant but not in this quality i, I could feel just it's 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 seeping into my brain already <laughs> it's going Next week to, yeah. on hoarders we're gonna show <laughs> <laughs> 
John found dead under a collapsed pile of cartridges. <laughs> but they were well stacked and alphabetized, so we're going to let it go. <laughs> Murr, you already know me so well. So, Mo, let's move on to you. I know that you had something you wanted to talk about that you picked up during oh, the yeah. holiday season. Tell us about it. Okay, I didn't pick it up. I'm going to do a video on this actually for our YouTube. Awesome, okay. But I wanted to kind of take some time and play with it and really get to know it first. Uh, also, I was trying to find a hook for the video, which I think I found now because this was a gift from a friend. Wow. What a nice friend. And it's one of these friends that, uh, you know, the show, what's it, Parks and Recreation, how she always bought you, like, this amazing gift, like, all her friends' amazing gift, and mm -hmm. always yep. made their gifts feel, like, less because of that. <laughs> that's going to be my hook for the video, because that's what wow. this particular friend, John, is like. <laughs> what a dick move. <laughs> it's called a Blaze Tab Plus, and basically, it's a small Android handheld device, like, and when I say small, it's actually about, yeah, it's about as big as maybe... 12 inches long and maybe six inches high. Nice screen in the middle, but it basically has emulators built into it that you can play pretty much anything. And it has enough controllers and buttons to handle just about every game I've been able to put on it. It's about the size of like a like a Wii U tablet, kind of that size. I think yeah, it's about that size. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. And let me tell you, the sound is eh on it, to be honest, but you plug headphones in and it actually sounds really good. When you play it, like I got like Robotron, which is one of my favorite games, mm -hmm. and it plays exactly like Robotron. I cannot complain at all about how well it plays these things. It's just a ton of fun and bought a memory card for it, so I plan to have probably a few hundred games on there soon. Oh yeah, at least. <laughs> Sounds dreamy. It's one of those things, I'm like, it's going to stay on my coffee table just for, I need to kill five minutes or something, and I'm going to pick it up and play something and then probably go for like an hour. But the plan will be only kill five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Robotron. I mean, that's one of those games, a dual stick shooter is notoriously difficult to deal with in emulation. Because right. most people, if they're lucky, have one joystick. If you're controlling on a screen, forget about it. When I slide my thumb around some invisible joystick on glass, but this has two side-by-side -side joysticks. I love that about it. Yeah, plus you can even plug in a real controller and play this. Oh, I didn't think... It's Android. Of course you could. I didn't think of that. They have a whole yeah. setup for that. So like I said, it's a mixed bag because it was an awesome, awesome gift, but it made me feel like shit. But still, <laughs> it was an awesome... <laughs> Constructs! You build! Constructs! Power! Batteries not included. Constructs! Games of all kinds is something that is near and dear to all of our hearts. What have uh, any of you been playing recently that is on the docket to chit-chat about? Well, I have been playing Darkest Dungeon again. Oh, yes you have. On yeah. the PS4. And you know, this is not a game that's unknown by any stretch of the imagination. It's uh, it's had some success. But it is a game that I mention to people and they don't know what I'm talking about. So for all those people out there... I don't want them missing this any longer, and we must discuss it. Darkest Dungeon is a masterpiece simulation of tabletop and pen-and-paper-style D&D games, but with soul-crushing really? difficulty. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> they use the phrase, yeah. it's making the best of a very bad situation. Really? <laughs> and it's a phenomenal yeah. selection of character classes, ranging from unique fighter types, such as crusaders and highwaymen, to exotic wooden-a-thunk-it types, like plague doctors, grave robbers, and even lepers. So what's the premise behind the game? Well, you won't just have one character. You're essentially running a dungeon delving business here you're gonna have a crew of different types of explorers okay it's all run out of like a little hamlet village 
and you're going into the different quests as you want to do them. You can do anything that you want to do. They're all different difficulties, though, and trust me, you're going to grind a lot on the easier stages first, but this is a game you have to be content never to do well at and never to beat, never to finish, because <laughs> it's not going to happen. What happens is the characters advance through combat and clearing the dungeons of monsters or other given objectives, but... Here's the thing. The characters suffer stress or mental health damage as mm-hmm. well as physical oh, damage. Really? This results in behavioral quirks that they develop that create status effects. And enough stress can even lead to a brutal heart attack death mid-adventure. No. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. And death either way is permanent. This is permadeath. So if you've leveled oh, up a character... Man and they die, then you're going to bring in a level 1 guy to replace them and get a rookie on the squad. So the characters are healed and repaired in town by doing different things, using the different kind of uh, services and businesses Mm -hmm. you have there. They can pray in churches. They can indulge in pleasures of the flesh in the local brothel. (laughs) They can drink and gamble in a tavern. And uh, the problem is that every once in a while, there will be a patron in these places that takes up that slot. So you may have a guy that needs a stiff drink, but there may be no room at the bar. And even if you're lucky enough to get them in there, you got to pay for the services, and then you may not have them for a week or two to go on adventures. Because, I mean, just last night, I had a guy having so much fun in the brothel, he wouldn't come out. And then when he finally did, <laughs> he was so he was exhausted from getting the donkey butt nonstop for however long he'd been in there that he was suffering an exhaustion thing that <laughs> oh, had, geez. you know, bad status effects on him. So the game is just oh. incredible. Oh. I mean, the depth of it is ridiculous for what it is. And you will have so much fun sucking at this game. Murr, you texted me the other night and you said, hey, you should check this out, right? Yeah. And wouldn't you know this damn thing is on sale? Of course. Ten bucks. Which is a great price. <laughs> I grabbed it. I jumped in. I went on the first few adventures, and both of the guys I've been working on, they're both dead now. Of course. Oh. So I feel like I'm starting over from scratch, but the comparison you gave me is so apt that I'm going to give you credit for it, but I'm going to say, you say, it's like playing Dungeons and Dragons with a brutal but fair dungeon master. Yes, because it doesn't intentionally, you know, screw you over or anything like that, but... Your guys are going to get into some crap, and eventually you may find that you, your characters are dying a lot less, but they're going to be in and out of mental institutions and hospitals <laughs> a good bit. And don't forget the haunted mansion-esque narration and play-by-play that you hear during the whole thing, which really yeah. sets a dreary and foreboding mood of almost hopelessness and isolation. <laughs> it does its job well. I mean, it's, it's like I'm scared and intrigued at the same time. So thanks, and damn you to hell for the recommendation. <laughs> I want to talk real quick about something that Mo and I, we got to play, but mainly because after I played it, what it has done to my brain. <laughs> Just a couple of days ago, a video went live on our YouTube channel about Buried Bucks. This was a game that you had never, ever played, and I was introducing it to you in the video. Never. Uh, played it on my Atari 8-bit computer. Uh, I won't ramble on about the game itself because... Uh, you'll get to watch the video. We'll link it down in the show notes down below. You're a helicopter. You're picking up money that's buried underground. You got to dodge a plane dropping dirt and landmines and uh, water hazards, artillery. I have found myself going back and playing it again and again and again because <laughs> as I introduced it to you, I talked myself back into why I loved it so much. So we cracked it open on this Atari 800 emulator that I go back and play on. I actually got further than I had ever gotten on this game. 
to areas I'd never seen before. I think partially because I'm older and more patient, you know, but partially just because I had to overanalyze it to describe to you what was happening in the game, it kind of opened up other ways to think about it. You don't have to wait or go find an emulator. You know, that wonderful website, archive.org, that has built-in emulation. They've right. got this game. You can play it in browser right now. We'll put a link to it down below. Oh, fantastic. Hmm. And in further exploration, I found out that there was a follow-up to this game I never knew existed oh, God. called Chopper Hunt. It's just kind of an expansion on the same game, and I've not touched it yet, but I can't wait. So definitely go back and check out the video. Check out on archive.org. You can try this game out for yourself after you watch the video. So Buried Bucks, a great classic vintage game from my childhood. But Mo, you've been playing something new, I noticed, right? Yeah, I picked up that new, it's the Lego Marvel 2 game. The Lego games. The Lego games. They're almost like crack. <laughs> you keep going back. You keep going back. They're, I mean, they're not complicated. It's repetitious as hell, but for some reason, like, it almost makes me want to get that 100% completion again, which I haven't done in years. Oh, I, haven't, really? I haven't cared about it in years because it always seems like you're just like one little step ahead. They did some stuff in this one. I think they finally listened to, I think they listened pretty heavily, I think, to public opinions and stuff. So they do, you know, they have little things that make it a little bit easier to move around and that kind of thing, which I think makes the game better. But Honestly, it's it's still pretty much the same game. I played the hell out of those for a while, and I kind of just burned out on them. Do you play many of these, Murph? Well, you know, bringing up Lego Marvel 2 is interesting to me, and I'll tell you why. We haven't played tons of them around here. It's not something we do a lot of, but we did play the original Lego Marvel, and I have to say it seems like the franchise moved so far forward by the time it hit that as far as... You know, we had already ha we had the city undercover Lego. We had really explored having mm -hmm. more of an open mm -hmm. world type thing going. And where I'm going with this is, you know, looking at Game Informer scores, they were shockingly low for Lego Marvel 2, which yeah. I really did not think they would be. They're weighing it in at around a 6 out of 10 here. So for you to tell me oh, wow. that it was going well, that actually makes more sense to me. I wouldn't have expected it to get low scores. The graphics in these games are beautiful and really show off what these consoles can do it seems like kids are pulling back from them a little bit i mean i asked if my nephews wanted the game for christmas this year they did not and they're big lego heads <laughs> so i guess what i'm wanting to bounce off you is if you've played the earlier lego marvel and we're moving into marvel 2 here what are they giving us what do you rate it out of 10 and how do you rate it that okay yeah it's good questions if i had to rate it i mean i'd probably give it like a six or seven be quite honest okay because it's very similar to the lego superhero the, the couple things they added which are neat if you're playing with somebody else you have like these special combination moves you guys can do together and they did like i said they did give us a lot better shortcuts help speed some of the more monotonous parts of the game overall though it's like if you played the first one i don't know if you can get a whole lot out of the second one that, that's important to know because again i see that this franchise has really improved every time a new lego game comes out so and then i see the six and in game informer and it's like okay so have we hit a wall with this here or what happened it's interesting to me to know also as someone that goes out and finds these games in the wild you know a lot of the most recent lego games the force awakens some of those mm -hmm. really fell on their face quickly and values just plummeted and uh, you got to ask why at that point. I say, like, I would wait until Steam puts us on, because this can be part of some massive Lego sale in the future. Oh, sure. It always is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and mm. if you could get it for six bucks, I say, yeah. Absolutely get it, because it's, it's entertaining. Good call. Before we get out of games, there's one more thing we have talked about a couple of different times over the course of the podcast, and that is Life is Strange Before the Storm. <laughs> the last episode came out. This is a huge franchise, and 
like so many other times. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It was a crushing episode. Oh no, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you played Life is Strange, you know the vector for the characters in Before the Storm. Oh yeah. You know what's going to happen to them already. You know their fate. It doesn't make it any easier. Uh. I'm not going to convince anybody to buy or not buy Life is Strange at this point. If you're a fan of it, you're going to play it and enjoy it. If you're not, this is not in your radar. This was a huge story, heart-crushing episode <laughs> to sum this up. I like that. You're really though. selling it. <laughs> I think that's why you play Life is Strange. It's for that yeah, story that is. really just reaches out and grabs you by the heart and says, you know, this is... It means something. It's like a great novel. It transcends kind of video gaming and you know, characters you care about. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I assume if they didn't, they would say life wasn't strange, you know, and then it would be called yeah, yeah. That. Life is <laughs> average. Yeah, yeah. Life is bit meh. But so I played the third one. But the one thing that I want to touch on that I didn't know until after I played this that is blowing my mind is it was only three parts, which is sad. However, I found that there is going to be an epilogue oh, really? where you once again get to play as Max Caulfield. Oh, cool. With the original voice talent from the first game. Nice. So it's going to be a bridge between Before the Storm and Life is Strange. It's only available if you bought the Deluxe Edition. Don't worry, I bought the Deluxe Edition. Well, I've heard nothing but good on that game, and I've never yeah. had the pleasure. I think I do have it, but it's just lost in an infinite backlog, and you know how that, that goes. But I, oh, I do. never yeah. heard anything bad about that game. I've heard only that man you've just got to play it and you know i, I would almost say mer you have a young daughter i do i'm gonna put this out here you might put that on the back burner until your daughter's about 12 yeah maybe 12 or 13 because both myself and mo oh yeah played this together with our teenage daughters there's something so kind of pre-teen or teen angsty about it that just draws in both your, yourself as a parent who knows a child goes through these things and your child of course because they're starting to go through these things it could be a very visceral experience and a bonding experience i know it was for us interesting yeah. so you might think about if you've got this on the backlog maybe put a pin in it until you're ready for uh, Molly to play it with you as not so much a dad's playing a game, but let her be involved in the decision-making. I think you're going to be richer for the experience, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, she's already kind of into Telltale stuff, you know, with the Minecraft series and all that. So, I, yeah. And it would be no problem for me to put a game on a three-year waiting list at this point <laughs> in my backlog. <laughs> That'd be easy. That's easy. Only three right. years? Easy. No we problem. We can definitely pencil it in. Chuck Norris, Karate, Commandos. Break it up, crack it down, fight forces of evil forever they're fine. Figures sold separately. Assignment recover stolen microchip. Protecting it was Super Ninja. Hi-ya! This is our normal segment here is like kind of looking forward to. Mer, is there anything that you're looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to our day one releases getting started in first quarter of 2018. First of which I think on the books is going to be Kingdom Come Deliverance, which will be available on PS4, Xbox One, PC, all that good stuff. The only issue being that it is published by Deep Silver, which if you ask me is kind of a curse. They put out mostly crap, from budget titles to failed iterations of sold-out but known franchises. Is this an exception? And we're going to find out on the 13th of February. But it's an RPG, possibly a poor man's to middle-class man's Skyrim, you know, at best. (laughs) But this is my favorite genre, and I get excited for these usually no matter what. But they will tell you that armors, weapons, and clothing will be accurate to the time period with real historical figures, which is 1400s England, is what they're kind of pitching it as, and with a new needs system in which your character will be required to eat. 
and sleep. And food is actually perishable. You can't just have a hundred roast chickens in your inventory like Skyrim and keep them indefinitely. And, you know, they're boasting really realistic combat physics. Of course, that will remain to be seen. But when they're talking about mm-hmm. realism everywhere else, I have to assume that combat came first. So we hope that this is arguably a much more realistic feel than an Elder Scrolls game, although that's a very tall order. This is from Warhorse Studios, who has no prior games made to my knowledge. But if Deep Silver can publish a winner here, then like the somewhat successful Agents of Mayhem recently, this earns them some credibility that, in my opinion, they sorely need. However, if it doesn't, they should never publish again and should go away. (laughs) But, yeah, long story short, this could be a potential sleeper hit, and I am excited for it. February 13th release date, and we'll be doing a day one review on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Looking forward to it. So I have something I'm looking forward to, and I'll just pitch it out there. We got to see the first half of the first season of star trek discovery mm-hmm. it picks up again january 7th we're off to the races once more i'm curious where it's gonna go <laughs> i'll yep. say that much i mean i think the first half of the season kind of like it had a story it kind of wrapped it up nicely but it tossed us out there in the middle of oh my god what's about to happen next because we jumped to god knows where and we don't know where we're at there are a lot of twists that could happen uh, i've read a lot of fan theories i have some theories of my own but discovery is going to kick off again and i for one i'm not a uh I'm not one of those entrenched fans that sighs in the theater that I talked about last episode. <laughs> I'm enjoying Discovery, and I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going. Take this new direction and run with it. I encourage it. I'm still earning my wings on Star Trek, so, I mean, I'm not even through the original ones yet. So, we'll put that on the three-year backlog with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Life is Strange. Well, you have all of it to look forward to. Yes, yes. So far, I'm, I'm enjoying getting my wings, and it. it's just something that... I was never into back in the day, but knew I probably should have been. It's not mandatory, but there's a lot of quality stuff out there. And some of it's hit or miss, frankly, but all of it taken together as a whole, it's very rich. And I think think you'll enjoy as you work your way through the back catalog. Sure. Love comic books? Then check out Parlapod, the podcast for diehard fans. We've got interviews. Hi, this is Kelly Jones. Hi, everybody. This is John Semper. This is Ming Chen. Hey, this is Tim Seeley. Hey, folks. This is Brian O'Halloran. Hey, what up? This is Jason Mewes, and you're listening to Parlapod.com comic book podcast. Snooch to the news. Reviews. These covers are, are blowing me away. Ugh. So Concept is just too darn good. I wish they had done a better job with it. And all the comic book news you need to know about. Mark Strong is in talks to play the villain, Dr. Savannah. All in, man. He was a great Sinestro, too. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and it's always free to download. Follow us on social media at Parlapod. Fresh episodes every Wednesday morning, just in time for your trip to the local comic book store. Parlapod, we are your source for everything comic book related. Give us a listen today. A lot of really cool topics we talked about. As always, we'll be sure to put all of the links to pertinent places down below in the show notes. So if you want to explore a little more on your own, that stuff will be down there. Be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast app, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes. If you get a chance, stop by iTunes, like our friends mentioned at the top of the episode did. Give us a review so people can help find us. Also, if you have a friend who doesn't listen to us, grab their phone out of their greasy paws and subscribe them. They will thank you later. And you can always reach us at podcast at genxgrow.com. And don't forget to visit us on YouTube and on our website, which is janxgrownup.com. And MC Murr, thank you so much for joining us again for this episode. Tell folks where they can find you and all of your awesome content.
internet on the interwebs. Yep. You can find MC Murr on YouTube. That's E-M-C-E-E-M-U-R for all of the great yard sale findings and scavengings, day one game unboxing and reviews, and all the other great stuff therein. Love to have a conversation with you. Come check me out. Let's talk. And if you don't already listen to MC Murr and look at him on his uh, YouTube page, you absolutely should. Now, we will do this again in two weeks, but next week we're going to have our backtrack. Murr, if I were to tell you that our backtrack is all about vintage board games, would you join us one more time? I'm there, dude. (laughs) That's great. I can't wait. So until then, Mo and Murr, I will see you guys next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.